Thanks for joining us for today's sermon on the Brick Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Jared Callahan. I'm the lead pastor here at the Brick, and we're so excited that you're going to check out today's message. Our prayer is that each week the message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you connect to God, maybe in a brand new way. We also pray that you connect with us as a community, that it doesn't stop just with your connection with God, but it gives you an opportunity to connect with the people at the Brick Church. So don't hesitate to reach out. Let's jump into today's message. What's up, 10 o'clock? Let's go. All right. The 8.30 had me talking too long, all right? So I'm going to jump in, and we're going to talk about being called. We're in week number three of called, and uh, what I hope you've already got on and hope you've seen, you can go back and listen to them, but what I hope you've gotten is the key verse that it's already started in you, but I'll share it just in case. Uh, it is Matthew chapter 22, verse 14, Matthew 22, Verse 14, it says, for many are called, but few are chosen. We've been processing and what I hope gets deep, deep inside of your soul is that you have been called by God. You have been called by God. I don't care what phone you started with called. Hey, some of y'all, it's okay. I don't care how old you are called. If you if you remember as a kid or maybe as an adult, I don't know how I don't know what year this was. (laughs) If you remember, hey, let me talk to the baker's wife, hitting up the operator. Let me do that. If, you, if that was something that you grew up with, you're still called. There's not, a, there's not an age limit on this thing. There's not a time. You grew up with one of these, one of these, maybe without the antenna. These bad boys don't break. You know what I'm saying? I don't care what, I don't care what age you are. You got the flip phone time frame. You still want to rock it. Anybody rocking a flip phone these days? Man, I want to call you, make you mad so you can hang up on me because it feels so good. It feels right. Um, I don't care where you came from, you're called. The whole imagery of what Jesus tells in a parable is a king throwing this banquet, this massive banquet. And the imagery is he is inviting everybody, anybody that'll show up. And he ends the imagery of many are called. A lot of people got invited, but only a few showed up. A few, only a few people believed that the king was inviting them to believe that God could even use them. Many are called, few are chosen. The difference is not whether you're called. I'm not asking that question. If you're watching online, whether you're here in person, you can hear my voice. You are called by God. The difference from called to chosen is whether you have the faith to believe it. You have the faith to believe that God would choose you with your past, with your history. You don't need to be an expert. You don't need to understand everything about who God is. You can, you can be called and chosen even while you got doubts. Even while you're wrestling with your faith, you are called and you are chosen. The difference is whether you'll activate on the call, whether you accept the invite and you start to take the steps. So we talked about um, the sheep know my voice. And what I want to do today is really lock into this scripture that we ended on on Psalm 37 um, and kind of talk about those steps. Look like Psalm 37, 23 and 24. The Lord makes firm the steps of the one who delights in him. Though he may stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. That there's a step to take, okay? That that, that last week, hopefully, you invited the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life, and now you have a step to take. He will make firm your steps. He will lock in your steps, but you still have to choose to take the step. He is leading this dance move that made some of y'all uncomfortable last week. He's leading you in the dance of life and the Holy Spirit is guiding you. If you trust him and you believe that you're called, you believe that you're chosen, he's leading you. He'll lock in the steps, but you still have to step. You still have to take a step. You still have to follow him and trust him with your life. Take the step. You don't need to be perfect. You don't need to have it all together. Take the step. Says it like this in Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has a cre- created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. 
we, me and you, when we answered the call and we took the step, he said, you're chosen. He actually says you're his masterpiece. You're his masterpiece. When, when, <laughs> even when you don't feel like it. You know what I'm saying? Like I have to, some of y'all wake up looking pretty. I don't, okay? This took a lot of work, all right? And I know it's not very far. I know it's got work to go, but it took a lot of energy to even look this good. And you're like, wow, you tried? That is something. I'll wake up, listen, bedhead, drool, my beard will be matted from the drool. It's nasty. I know, you don't, you're not married to me. That's what my wife to have to put up with. Just nasty, matted to my face, looking in the mirror like, God's masterpiece, huh? You know what I'm saying? Like, it don't, it don't, like, oof. That's a lot to believe. And even when I don't feel it, God still called me his masterpiece. You, I, I mean, you may have sin in your life that you are fighting and you are wrestling and trying to get to do the holy things of God and trust God and love God. And yet in the middle of that, he said, you're his masterpiece. Listen, the Mona Lisa doesn't get to decide its beauty as a painting. The, Mo the Mona Lisa has already been determined by its creator and by society looking at it. It just has to sit there in the Louvre and just be pretty. We can, we can wonder why it's so amazing. We wonder what makes it amazing. I've got questions. It doesn't look that impressive to me, but the art world told me it was. And so now I know, like, whatever it feels, it's a work of art. It is a masterpiece. It doesn't matter what it feels like. So when I look in the mirror and I'm like, oof, you know what I'm saying? Like, oof, don't breathe too much. It's a morning breath. Oof. I don't feel like a masterpiece. I, I know that what he says about me is more important than how I feel about me. And I will take faith steps based on his belief in me, not how I feel about me. And so today what we're talking about is steps. He, it says in, in Ephesians 2, it says that he's got things planned for you, steps to take, steps that you are called to take, things that you as a masterpiece are called to do in your life. Take the steps. If you want to follow the Holy Spirit, you want to live a chosen life, it is about taking the steps God has called you to, to be faithful and believe, like, even though I feel ugly, spiritually, physically, I don't care how you feel, he still calls you his masterpiece, and you've got to decide whether you trust his invite, his call, more than your feelings. Take the step. And so today, I want to kind of break down taking the steps. I want to break down what those steps look like and how to do it. Um, and it's going to take faith, and it's going to be, it's going to be what, what Scripture would call or what a lot of Christians would call discipleship. This is what my method of what I would call discipleship is. And what I would say about discipleship, a definition for us today, is that discipleship is learning while doing learning while doing what you what you might think and what you might have an excuse for to be like all right he called me but i'm gonna wait i'm gonna wait till i get the sin out of my life and then i'm gonna do the thing he called me to do i'm gonna wait until i understand scripture better and then i'm gonna do the thing i'm called to do that's not that's not how it worked peter didn't get rid of his anger issues before jesus said come follow me david didn't have it all figured out before he anointed him king he's not he's not waiting on you to do anything other than take the step of faith and follow him we as a society have have decided that we're going to educate ourselves first and then go do that's what we do in in our education system and i'm not here to critique our education system but it is not the best way in my opinion we're missing tradesmen because you need to learn on the job what it looks like to actively engage in your craft and be learning the mistakes and learning how to fix them in the process and for you as a follower of Christ, I don't need you in another Bible class. I don't need you in another education. I don't need you to learn the Greek and the Hebrew. I need you to go do and then get in the class. I need you to step out in faith and trust God and say, all right, love my neighbor. How am I, I'm going to start. I'm going to start loving my neighbor. And I'm going to learn the Greek and the Hebrew. I'm going to learn what it means, how to apply it. But first, I'm going to step. 
First, I'm going to trust. Not because I'm good enough, not because I'm qualified, but because he told me to. Because he said, love my neighbor, before he ever told me to be qualified for it. He told me to forgive my enemy before I was ever ready. Take the step. Take the step of faith and trust. And so here's what it looks like. Here's the kind of practical, tangible things that we're going to break down and work through them. What he's calling you to is to take steps and be, be able to really turn up the signal. What your job is as you step is to get closer to him and be like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Y'all remember that old commercial? This is really outdated. As <laughs> this whole message. Like, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Like, just get a little closer to him, right? Come follow me means you have to be close to him to follow. You have to know what steps he's taking to follow his steps. You have to see him doing the thing and be like, oh, that's what you do. I should probably do that thing. And here's the way is what we're going to get into is, is the steps of what it looks like to follow. What does it look like to practically dance with the Holy Spirit in your life? Have the ebb and flow of what Psalm 23 was last week. What does it practically look like? And there are four things I'm going to challenge you to add in your life. And what I think you're going to need to believe with me is that you need to focus more on adding than you do subtracting. If you, I'm, I'm going to get you four things that I want you to really hone down and apply, and they're way too simple. You're going to be like, that's, are you, oh, just that, yeah, yeah, they're that simple because you need to stop worrying about what you don't have and start worrying about what you do have. Yeah. And in Christianity, for so many, for, for most of Christianity, we, we have a tendency to try to, uh, get the light out or get the darkness out, right? If we see sin, we're like, let's get sin out of our life. But that's backwards, right? It's not natural in the world that that's how we work on it, right? If it is dark in a room, you don't try to shoo the light. If my youth pastor, I walk in the office and the lights are out and I see him with a bucket and he's just dumping stuff out the door. I'm like, what, what are you doing, man? It's like, I was dark in here. I was just trying to get the, just trying to get the dark out. I was just scooping it and sending it out. I would send him straight to the crisis unit. I mean, just straight. Like, bro, come, come on, buddy. Get in the truck. Let's go. Come on, buddy. Come on, get in here. We're going to go see somebody about that darkness that you're experiencing. Right? Come on, get on in here. Just buckaroo. Just sit right here. Shh, let me buckle you in. Right? Like, you're okay. You're okay. It's okay. It's okay. Because it's so simple. Turn on the light, man. We spend our Christianity trying to get rid of the darkness. And Jesus is saying, no, no, just, just turn on the light. Just, just add me. Just step with me. Just dance with me. Just follow me. I don't, I don't need Peter to get rid of his anger issues. I don't need you to get rid of all your stuff. I need you to follow. I need you to trust. I'll take care of the subtraction. You worry about the addition. So here's what you're going to add. And here's, we're going to talk about them. We're going to break them down a little bit more. There are four things you need in your life. I've talked about them before, but we're going to talk about them with the vantage point of called. The four things are this. You need the word in your life, scripture, the word of God in your life. You need to add it to your life. The second thing you need to make sure you have is worship in your life. Worship is important. It's an essential. The third thing is prayer. You need constant communication with God. Or the third thing, the fourth thing is community. You need the body of Christ and the body of Christ is people. It's not ethereal. It's not an idea. It's not just a metaphor. It's physical. You need followers of Christ in your life. And those things, if, if, if you'll do those, if, the, if you'll really hone in, if like all you ever did for the, the next 20 years, 10 years, 100 years, how many ever years you got left on this earth, if all you ever did was really focus in on doing these things well, I think everything, at least 99% of the other things would take care of themselves. I think, I, I mean, we're talking about, this is like the 90 to 99 percentile of things that matter most. Everything else, I believe, will take care of itself. If you will add these things, you won't have room for the other thing. If you will focus on the light, there will not be space 
for the dark. Okay, so let's break down what these things look like. These are turning up the signal. I want to be attached to God. I want to dance and flow with him and what he's called me to do. The first thing let's talk about is the word, the word of God. It says it like this in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You need the word of God in your life. This is the essential to knowing what he sounds like. This is what it looks like. Scripture, the word of God, the physical word of God, it, it needs to be in your life and you need to understand the stories and the context of some of those stories to understand what he sounds like. Not, not before you activate, not before you step, but while you're stepping. While you're walking, you're going, all right, he says to love my neighbor. I'm gonna start trying to love my neighbor. What does that mean? Oh, you're gonna find out. <laughs> you're gonna find out real quick. We like the theory. We like to come to church and talk about loving our neighbor until we meet our neighbor and be like, no, no, no. <laughs> you met Johnny? He ain't, uh-uh, no, that's, uh, that's, that's not love that I'm gonna have to do. He needs a stern talking to is what he needs. No, 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 love your neighbor. And you're gonna understand what he means. You're like, all right, that, that was frustrating. God, what does that mean? Maybe I'll look up what agape, the, the word there might mean and understand the context of it and the whatever. I'm going to ask the, a pastor like, hey, tell me what this means and how to apply it. And you're going to start to learn that you're more of a tradesman and you're going to learn on the job when following Jesus than you are just a student. You're not meant to just be a, a student of Jesus. You're meant to be a follower of Jesus and you're going to learn what he sounds like. Now listen, scripture memorization is good. But that's not the goal. Scripture activation is the goal. I, there are too many versions already and too many versions that I actually trust. They give me more variation of what it kind of looks like and what it really means because I don't know the original languages. Most of the versions are good versions. So which one should I memorize perfectly? No, no, no. That's not what he asked for. He asked for us to activate on them. I need to understand the context and a little bit of history maybe just to understand what he's saying. Like when I don't understand, I ask questions to understand, not just to understand, not just to sound smart in a room, so that I can live it out. What does it look like to turn the other cheek? What does it really mean to live out loving my, or, uh, loving my enemy? What does it really look like to raise my kids well? That's what I want to activate on. He's not called us to, to live a student life, but a disciple life. So learn to dance with the Holy Spirit and trust what he's called you to do. Now, this, this, this verse, when he's talking about it, he's saying the word of God is living and it's active. Again, active. It's, it's gonna pierce your heart. It's gonna tell you how to step, how not to step. It's active. It is not passive. It is active in your life. And many of us think it's about the knowledge of what we understood. I need to understand the heart of God. Even in the Old Testament, you have some moments in the Old Testament where people are like, God was really brutal. That's not how they heard it. I know we read it like that, and it sounds like God is really wrathful and angry, but that's not how the original readers heard it. I can promise you, because Jonah, at the end of the book of Jonah, Jonah is mad at God because of how merciful and how kind he is. He threw you into an ocean with the whale and the thing. That don't sound very, very merciful and kind, but oh, he was speaking the language Jonah needed to hear, and the way Jonah heard it, merciful kind the best picture you have of God is Jesus himself he told us if you've seen me you've seen the father so I might get confused about all the details and why God did what but what I do know about him I will activate on I will activate on what he's called me to do but many of us just think like it's only the word of God is only scripture but the word of God is bigger than just scripture because it's active it's also active dividing your soul and spirit it's reading it's reading your diary 
and starting to live in your life. Some of you have been discounting the word of God to activate on because he didn't explicitly say, hey, John, I actually want you to take that job. Well, I, didn't really, I, don't, it, I don't have a word from God. You, that doesn't, it doesn't really count. No, no, you have some words in your life that you need to activate on. You don't need nobody else to tell you. You don't need another specific scripture to tell you to love your spouse well. You know it's time to have the conversation. It's a word from God. I'm telling you today, love your spouse well. It's already in scripture, and you need to activate on it. That's a word for you specifically, and it's bigger than just what a few verses say. It's more active in your life to say, all right, this is what I'm going to activate on what I do know. There's a lot I don't know, but I will activate on the things that I do know. Some of you know there are some areas of your life that are just, you need to have some things going. You need to have some boundaries, some accountability. And many times, many times we didn't hear it as the word of God. Like, I got to have boundaries. Like, I can't, I can't be around certain things. This is what I'm going to do. This is the active yes in my life. I'm going to make sure that in my life, I'm not around these things. Right? Some of you may have an addiction past. And you know good and well that you don't need to be around people who while they're drinking. I, it, it's a word of God for your life, but you've been playing like it's just, well, it may be a good suggestion. I, pro- I probably, it probably wouldn't be a good idea to be around alcohol. No, 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 no. The, the, the fruit on the tree was there. And you know, you've been through it enough times to know, don't get around it. And you keep coming back to the tree. It's an apple tree. And you keep thinking it's going to be an orange tree next time. Don't touch it. Don't play games with it. It is active in your life. He has told you over and over again. These things don't help you. Boundaries. Like set some boundaries in, in what you listen to, what you watch. And the thing that's frustrating is that you know and I know that there are other people that can do those things. And they love God and they seem to be fine. So you think, well, that's not fair. I didn't, I didn't see any scripture that talked about it being fair. Not a single one. Not one where he asked you in this horse race of life to look over and see how the next horse was doing. Not a single one where he's challenging you to have the word that's active in your life measure up and be fair to the word that's active in somebody else's life. That word for you that you need to follow, you need to trust, he's watching you, not them. You're not off the hook because they're not doing it. You need to know that, like, no, this is a thing. Like, my, I don't know what about everybody else's family, but we got to be in the house of God. And I know what it looks like and how much the infighting starts when we start skipping. It's just like, ah, oh, well, you know, it's a, just habit. Stuff gets busy and like, I've really got to go. And like, it may be fine for everybody else. That ain't my business. If everybody else can handle not being in the house of God, not being in church, not making it in a pattern, that may work for some families. I don't know. I don't think it does. But even if it does, I know what works for mine. And that's a word of God for my life and my family's life. Activate. Take the step that God has called you to activate on. And trust it as the word of God. You need more. And listen, the way that it uses this, the word of God earlier in Hebrews, he says, you've heard the word of God. Some of you are going to know that like, it's not just reading, it's hearing. There are some sermons that you need on repeat. There's some preachers you need on repeat. You need a daily reminder of what his voice sounds like so that you can do the ebb and flow. No, no, I know what, I know what the Holy Spirit sounds like because I read it in his word. I listened to it in that last sermon. I, I know what it sounds like. The goodness of God sounds like. You can't convince me otherwise because I've read enough, I've heard enough, and I've activated on enough to know his goodness and to hear his voice. The second thing uh, that we need in our life is worship. What I, how I would define worship, uh, for those of you who are like, it's kind of ethereal. Uh, worship um, is bringing your emotions in alignment with what you say is true with what you believe up here. What you say you believe up here, worship is bringing those things into alignment. What we don't like to admit, 
What we don't like to admit is that we are emotional creatures. The, the reason some of you have trouble activating on the word of God in your life, the reason some of you are having trouble actually living out being a Christian is because your emotions aren't there. We make, and I'm going to say this as a blanket statement, we can talk all day long about it if you want to discuss it, but I believe it at the, at the core of my being. We make decisions based on our emotions. We are emotional creatures, and some of you are like, well, actually, Jared, I am very logical, and I know I make decisions based on... No, no, no. No, what you're good at is feeling what you believe is true and finding logic to justify it. I don't care how logical you sound, how nerdy you sound, how much data you have. The, the studies are consistent across the board. Our IQ doesn't dictate what we believe. We, we believe something at the core of our being and we go find evidence to prove that it's true. And so you have things in your life that aren't in alignment and you're denying them. You, you say Jesus is real, but your emotions don't agree with you yet because you haven't learned how to worship God well. You say that Jesus is real, but if we looked at your schedule, we looked at your calendar, we looked at the deep parts of your thoughts and your heart, we looked at your finances, we looked at how you lived your life, would it look like you're an atheist? I mean, you, uh, no, no, but like, no, it may look like you show up to a club meeting every Sunday morning, but the rest of your life looks like you don't know who Jesus is. Not how you speak, not how you treat people, not how you spend your money, not how you spend your time, the rest of your life. If that's the case, if you're feeling that, and you're like, ooh, that was, I don't like that, Pastor Jared. Be nicer. I came to church for hope. You know, you came at me. Then it's time to really, like this one may be yours. You need to really hone in on worship. You need to hone in on a moment and moments of time, not just on Sunday. You need them on Sunday, but moments of time where you really deep dive and let the emotions come to the surface so you can help let Jesus point to you what's true, what's not true, what to focus on, what not to focus on. And there are things in your soul that you've been avoiding. There are emotions that you've been avoiding, and God is saying, hold up, let me, let me in. Men, we're the world's worst. We're the world's worst. I know, I, know, I know we find excuses to hang out in the lobby a little longer. You're saying, I see y'all with your cup of coffee, just chit-chatting, just like, no, I'll be in there in a minute. Wait till the worship's over because you're avoiding the emotion. You don't like it. It don't feel natural. We have, we have not, men, we have not been trained in our emotions. I'm so sorry that we haven't. Some of it's our fault, some of it's genetics, some of it's society. We're not trained well in our emotions. We avoid them like the plague, it's, unless it's anger. We're good at anger. We like anger. We're comfortable with anger. We can be angry, but everything else, vulnerability, no. And you're going to have to learn that your, your Heavenly Father can be trusted with your emotions. Your Heavenly Father can be trusted with the parts of you that are too scary to let out. That, that, that they've got to come to the surface so he can, he can point you to the things that matter most and the things that are called to activate on. Because those emotions are there. And you have things that you're seeing and you're experiencing and you need to let him in. You need to really let him in. That's not all our fault, man. We've had so much training against it, right? Girls, y'all do this probably better than us. I mean, there's a ditch to fall in on either side. But like how we've been trained is to not be vulnerable. Y'all guys were good at it. You gals were good at it right? Uh, give, give you an example. So if, if you girls were hanging out with your friends and you were like, I just, I, don't, I think I have a big forehead. Do you think I have a big forehead? Your girlfriend's back. Oh, no. Oh, oh. I don't know why she's British. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. I have no idea why you would say it, but you would just, just go full in on I've, for years, I've begged to have your forehead. It's so beautiful. I mean, maybe too extreme. Like, maybe you can never even be honest with each other because y'all been talking about her forehead behind her back. Like, that forehead's <laughs> big. 
But, but, but you can be vulnerable and they'll encourage you. Sometimes you say it with your girlfriends just so you can hear the encouragement. You're so beautiful. Stop it. Don't talk about yourself like that, right? That would never happen with a group of guys. Never in my life anything close to that happen. Listen, the dude come up like, hey, bro, you think, you think I got a big forehead? Row session begins immediately. <laughs> bro, you ain't had a forehead since second grade. That's an eight, nine, or ten head is what you got right there. Like, I don't know. We've been wondering what's going on with you. We thought your hairline was running away from your eyebrows because them caterpillars were trying to catch up. Like, just row session. Like, if you, if you do start losing hair, you're going to have to get two toupees, okay? That's how, that's how big your forehead is, right? It just, the rest of your life, you'll have the nickname two-toupee. That's just your whole, the rest of your life from one moment of vulnerability. One moment. And we've been trained over and over again to go, no, nah, I ain't, I ain't, I can't, I'm just, anger's fine. We can roast fine, but we can't cry well. We can't be sad. We can't tell our closest guy friends sometimes unless you have really godly guy friends. You can't tell them, man, I just, I feel actually really insecure about being a good husband. Boy, would that be a beautiful conversation to have with your closest friends? Because you can have it with your heavenly father. And maybe, maybe your dad didn't even do it well. Maybe he hadn't really adjusted to emotions well, but that's not your heavenly father. Your heavenly father's like, let me, let me tell you what's true, right? Let me tell you what's good in you. Let me tell you why you don't need to worry about your forehead because you have so much more to offer. Like some things are true. Some people got big foreheads, but I created you a masterpiece. So some things may hurt to know it's true, but just know that I love you far deeper than you could ever imagine. And you ain't got nothing to worry about in this life. And that's what, that's what your heavenly father is about. And some of you men, men especially, you need to let them in on, the, you need to let hev your heavenly father in on the emotions. The scripture that comes up is that this moment where Jesus sees the woman at the well, and he says, there's a moment where you're going to worship me in spirit and in truth. Some of us just worship God in truth. Our spirit doesn't worship him. We say he's good, maybe even raise your hands like he's good, but he don't get in here. He don't feel good to you. He feels like the version of your dad that you didn't like. That's what he feels like. He feels like he's got a fly swatter about to swat you down. But if you let him in, he'll be like, oh, 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 I look like Jesus that knelt down with the woman caught in adultery. I look like Jesus who loved you well, who, who sat with you by the lakeside and we, we shared fish together. I look like Jesus who encouraged you and loved you in the process. That's, that's the dad I am. And I know how to give good gifts and I love you just like that. There are things. And what, what it is, it's not that there are things that aren't true. Like, there are things that are true, that, that, are, that are true about your, your doubts and your wrestles. There are things that are, that are out here just like, man, this is just true. There's darkness in the world. This is just true. You have certain emotions that you don't like. It is just true that things don't always go the way you want. It is just true that there's been a moment you prayed and didn't get the answer you wanted. It is true that there's been grief that you shouldn't have had experience. Those things are true. But what happens in worship is those things come to the surface, and you start to feel them, and you start to understand them. But then, then there's another truth that balances back out. Then it's like, yeah, 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 no, no, life hadn't always gone perfect. But God's been really good. And, and he's compensated in every other way, right? There's a moment where it's like, all, I can see all the things that are true, but when I go to activate on what God's called me to, I've got blinders on the point, the direction he's going to go, right? When, a, when a, there's a horse race, they may walk the crowd. They sometimes walk the track before they ever go to the race. Before they ever, they just kind of do a lap around it sometimes at a horse race. And it doesn't matter if they got their blinders on at that moment. 
But the second they go to do an actual race, they put the blinders on. When you start to activate in your life, there are things that aren't about your focus. There are things that are true. The crowd's there. The noise is there. Another horse is there. But what you need to focus on is what's right in front of you. The goodness of God, the mercy of God, the things that are true, the things that matter most to you, those things you need to focus on. And it's time to let him in on the hardest parts. So for me, uh, there was about a week and a half ago. I was having a hard day. Uh, It was numb, like just numb beyond belief and I couldn't figure it out I blamed it on a lot of other stuff and I realized it took me forever way too long to realize it was grief it was like my parents died a year and a half ago and there was just it'll just sneak up on you and men we don't do grief well so it just keeps sneaking just keeps showing up and it's like a volcano where if like you don't release pressure it's going to explode and there was a day where it's just numb and I discovered a thing that kind of released the valve that I didn't like uh, a month and a half before I accidentally did it where I was just on a computer and I was like, hey, what's this file? And I opened it and it was like, oh no, I'm here. It was a slideshow for my parents' funeral. And luckily everybody was in bed and I just cried like a baby, just wept. I was angry, I was mad, talked to God and it worked. So last Tuesday, I was like, well, that worked then accidentally. Maybe it can work on purpose. Wait until everyone went to bed and I played the video. Had my, my Bluetooth in, and I cried. I yelled at God. I didn't wake nobody up out loud, but I yelled at God. I was mad. I don't understand this grief. I don't understand this moment. I don't understand. And at the end, I was like, okay, but God, I've, I had good parents that were worth crying over. I had a good life that you've been good to me on, and I don't understand this moment. That's still true. I don't understand why. I don't want to understand why you prevented it. There's still things that are very true about that moment. They're still true. But the truth I activated on, the truth that got into my soul was the one that's like, oh, but God's good enough. I don't, may not have understood all that. There may be a lot of stuff going on in the crowd. There may be a lot of stuff going on with other horses. But my God's been good. He's been good enough. In the midst of the grief, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the darkness, there's been enough light. And that's where my blinders go on. And when I start to activate and I get up, I dust my knees off and we go, all right, God, let's go. Let's do what you've called me to do. And I felt good since. And there's, there's scripture for that. Psalm 69 is one of them where, where David is crying out to God and it seems like he's like, whoa, can you say that to God? No, no, you can't. He's a, he's a confident father who can handle it and love you in the midst of your, your doubts, in the midst of your worries, in the midst of your pain. And you let him in. And what happens is he brings those things to the surface and you get to scrape off all the things that aren't good, the impurities, and let him in on the emotional places, the places that you're scared to let him in on. And so that you can go now, now activate. Now I step forward in his goodness and in his mercy and the things he's called me to. The third thing is prayer. I challenge you to pray without ceasing. Thessalonians tells us to pray without ceasing. What that looks like to pray without ceasing is like putting Bluetooth in. I got my Bluetooth in. Here we go. Boom. There's one thing to pray, and I think you need active moments, but Thessalonians pray without ceasing is to always stay in communication with your Heavenly Father. Some of you have been checking in and checking out. That's not, it's not that kind of relationship. Just like your marriage, you can't check in, check out. Like, I'm married when I'm home, but I ain't married when I go out, okay? That's not, that's not a marriage. It's not going to work. If you needed that word, I'm so sorry, but that's not how it works, okay? It does not work that way. Your relationship with God is the same. You need constant communication. And there are catalyst moments. Like, I know people who pray in the, the, the power of prayer in those spe- specific moments, but they need to bleed into all your moments. One instance is my grandparents. My grandparents prayed like crazy. And I would, go st- I would stay the night with them a lot. One of the things I didn't like when I was a kid is prayer time at bed because we prayed forever. Well, they prayed forever. I felt just, oh, yeah, yes, Lord, hallelujah, amen. Like they would go through every family member by name, random people in the church because they were pastors. They would just be praying, and they would keep praying, and they would keep 
Oh, yeah, amen, hallelujah. Are we done? Are we <laughs> Can I go to sleep? Like, is that a thing? But that wasn't where it stopped. They stayed active. My grandfather used to kind of be frustrated that God always woke him up in the middle of the night to speak to him because there was an active communication. He said, you, I want you to. He's like, I don't want him to stop, but I would rather him talk to me throughout the day. And I would tell him, like, it's because you don't slow down long enough for him to talk to you throughout the day. That's the only moment you slow down is when you're in bed, so that's when he's going to talk to you. And for us, you are in constant communication when you're talking to God. You're saying, I got which direction to go. And you're not going to be perfect at it. You're not going to hear him perfectly. You're not going to speak perfectly. But that's what a relationship looks like. You start and you dance and you figure out that that's not the move. We're doing the tango, not the salsa. Like you're figuring out the moves and the way that you flow with God. And you're going to start to learn to trust. You're not going to get it all right. This week, this week, I was like just driving. I felt like I got a ding on the Bluetooth. I was looking for something. And all of a sudden, like, you know, I get like spidey senses. They were tingling. I was like, oh, I gotta be on the lookout. Like, something's about to happen. And I was convinced, I knew it. Like, I knew. So I was was driving with the kids in the back seat, and I was like, all right, danger. You know, danger, Will Robinson. Just looking around. Somebody's gonna come at me. Someone's gonna, I was new. The Holy Spirit was talking. Guess what happened? Not a thing. I was convinced that God was giving me a word. Not a thing happened. I'm still, still working some of this stuff out and figuring it out. But guess what? I'm still in communication. There are times when I'm listening for my wife that I thought I heard her. But that's not going to stop me from listening. Just because I mistakenly thought I heard her yelling from across the house. No, I'm going to listen even more intently because when you're trying to listen, you're going to hear. There may be some mistakes along the way, but part of prayer is in constant communication, letting him know what's going on. And lastly, the fourth thing is community. You need people in your life. You need people in your life that affirm all of these three things. You need people in your life that are godly wisdom, godly counsel. You need godly friends. I don't know, there's a whole different sermon to figure out what you do with your ungodly friends. Love them well, try to influence them for Jesus, but don't let them influence you. What you do need to make sure you add the 90%, 99% is make sure you are surrounding yourself with godly people who are about worship, who are about the word, who are about prayer, who will, when you say spiritually, metaphorically, I think I got a big forehead, tell you some godly things rather than roast you. Some people who, what Scripture calls iron sharpening iron, what it also calls in Proverbs and Psalms is wise counsel, wise godly counsel, where you can go to them and say, I'm praying about this job. Will you pray with me? I'm like, absolutely. We're going to pray the guy who gives you the perfect job at the right time, that it's going to be best for your family, it's going to be best for you. People that you can be surrounded by. Listen, we're, we're starting brick groups. I got the shirt on and everything. We're starting brick groups because it's the catalyst for the right kind of friends. The people that are on the same journey, not perfect people, but people are on the same destination as you, trying to do it. And, and mo- that's the one we skip out on the most. We skip out on that group. We, we, we do the worship sometimes. We do the word sometimes. We do the, the prayer sometimes. But man, most of us just think we can do this alone. And the body of Christ is not an ethereal thing. It's not a metaphorical thing alone. It is a physical thing where you need community around you, godly friends that can speak into your life, that you've, you've grown enough of a relationship that they can call you on your stuff and encourage you on your stuff. Right? They can see, oh, you're down today. Let me tell you who you are and that you are called and you are chosen. I, I know you're going through something. I know your marriage is struggling or I know you're sick right now. I know that things aren't going well, but let me just tell you, it's going to get better. Those kind of people in your life. Whoa, 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 no, no, no. Don't speak to your spouse like that, man. You're better than that. I know who you are and who God has called you to be and you're not called to speak like that. All of these things you need in your life to live a Holy Spirit dance life, like ebbs and flows of what he's, what he's calling you to do. If you really want to crank up the volume on all four of those things, learn how to fast. Learn how to fast. Learn what it looks like to make some sacrifices to hear these things clearer. Learn what it looks like to say no to a lot of the worldly things that aren't even wrong, 
to say all the right yeses, to make sure you're doing the additions well and amp it up, more sermons, more worship, more prayer time, more community, that you say no to whatever you have to to make sure this volume, this signal is the loudest. And if you'll do that, I believe you'll see the goodness of God, you'll see the moves of God in your life, and you'll see them, you'll just see them different. You'll start to see them maybe sometimes from like rear view where you're like, oh wow, I saw what you did. I saw how you protected me. I saw what you did in my life. Let me, so for me, I'll give you an example of my life. I saw seasons in my life where I was in wrestles and I can see the mountaintops now and the valleys different because I kept focusing on what to add, not to perfect all the things that was going wrong in my life, but I got trained to focus on the goodness of God and on the things to add in my life more than I did to shoo the darkness. And to be called and to be chosen means you follow I remember as a teen, I'll just give you a few examples of my life. I remember as a teen wrestling with questions. And I had lots of questions. I was, I'm a skeptic by nature, and I was a skeptical kid. Like, what are the odds that I'm going to be born into the right family that happens to be Christian when there's so many others around the world that are not? What are the odds of that, God? Tell me about hell. How can hell exist if you are such a good God? All of these questions. And I remember the hell one kept coming up. And I was like, God, I think you're there. Like, I'm 51% sure, but, like, you got to do something. you got to show me, like, this ain't right. Hell can't exist. And I remember fighting with God and him going, do you trust me? I was like, yeah, but like, what about hell? He's like, do you trust me? Do you trust that I love them more than you love them? Do you trust me? I was like, yeah, Yeah, okay, I trust you. I trust you. Back then, I didn't have all the answers. I just had enough to trust. I'd just seen enough of his goodness. I'd seen just enough of his mercy to just trust. And then later in life, there were relationships that I got into that were unhealthy. One specifically was just really, really unhealthy. And I couldn't get out of it. And I'm like trying to, trying to do the thing that God's called me to do and I keep messing up. And we keep messing up, crossing boundaries we knew we weren't called to. I feel terrible at it and go right back to doing it. I remember wrestling, crying, like, let it go, God. So then I tried to fast. I went out to the woods in a tent with just water for like three days. I came back just thinking, oh, you know what I'm saying? Like I was floating backwards. Like I'm super holy. You know what I did? I went right back to the sin. I mean, the day of, I was shook. I didn't even know what to do with it. I thought that was supposed to fix that. And that ebb and flow was just like, I don't know how to follow you because I'm messing up and I can't stop it. And all of a sudden, I looked back in six months and it was gone. I mean, gone. Like, I, I could, to this day, I can't tell you how I got out. I just know he got me out. And there's this ebb and this flow and this dance of where he like leads and directs. And there was a season where I wanted to travel. And I was begging God, let me travel. Let me do some cool stuff. I want to do these things. And what I looked around and noticed that everybody traveled, mommy and daddy had trust funds. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're looking on Instagram, mommy and daddy rich. Most people who travel, that's what happens. I ain't have a trust fund, <laughs> okay? That's not where I came from. Came over from Skogie in the backwoods, you know what I'm saying? Brushy Mountain, that's where I came from. And, and I was like, I just, I want to. And I was begging and pleading. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God got me a job where I got to do missions work and get paid to travel. I was like, woo, mountaintop, mountaintop. And then right back to a valley where I'm alone. I, I, try, I try to stay out of bad relationships. I try to do it right. And then all of a sudden I'm alone. I'm like, it's been years, God. Like, I'm ready to find my person. Like, where is she? And I was sad and frustrated. God, when are you? This feels, you know, it's like six months feels like a long time. Years feel like an eternity when you feel like you're alone. I, God, surely you're not going to let me do this life alone. Surely. 
And then he sent her, and there's more questions. I'm like, oh, I'm dating her. I'm like, ah, oh, this is too fast, right? <laughs> and I got more questions, and the ebb and the flow, like, I must have lost my mind, right? And this must be right. So I asked my dad, because my dad's a, a skeptic. He would ask all the right questions, and he was like, no, it seems, seems logical. I was like, oh, oh, that's dangerous. So I had to call somebody else, because I knew I was making a mistake. This is too fast. I can't be marrying this person. I called the youth pastor friend of mine. He was like, no, 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 that sounds right to me. So I locked it in right before she could change her mind. I locked it in fast. I'm like, I'm not going to risk it. And there's these ebbs and these flows and these dances that you're called to do with the Holy Spirit and following and trusting in step with him where you'll see moments of darkness counterbalance with moments of light that supersedes. You'll see the dances where you like got your toes stepped on, but it taught you never to make that move again. There are these moments where you learn that like, if I can see the big picture, the Holy Spirit is leading me to places. Even if I find valleys, even if I'm in the shadow of the valley of death, there are moments, like moments where it gets dark. My wife's cousin, after we were married, uh, had a drug overdose. I mean, they were, he was gone, gone. They were, they were packing him. They had him on a vent. They were packing him because he was an a, uh, organ donor. They were ready. Everybody was saying bye, and we're like, no. No, God, absolutely not. And we grew up in a church that prayed for healing, and I was shook that her family was not doing the same with some of us. Some of them were. And we were praying, like, God, healing. Sure enough, they gave him no chance. They pulled the vent, say your goodbyes. Second they pulled the vent, he started reading on his own. Sent her a video the next day. Hey, I'm doing good. Everything's fine. Ebbs and flows of like, oh, but why? Why even get there, God? I don't know, but you're good enough now. And whatever spot you're in, if you'll start to trust, if you've got 51% to trust the dance and the flow of the Holy Spirit, that's enough. That's enough to trust Him. That's enough to activate on what He's called you to do and to believe that you're chosen. If you've got 51% assurance that He's good, then take the step. Don't wait another day. Just keep taking the steps, and He'll answer the questions as you go, and you'll look in your rear view and go, oh, I see what you did there. I see what you're teaching me. I see what I learned. I see how I grew. I see what you were doing. And even today, even today for me, in the midst of grief, there are things that like, I'm so mad about, but I'm at least 51% sure I'm more than that, but at least 51% sure that God is good. And I'm going to take the step. In the midst of the grief, I'm going to take the step. I'm going to ask the questions. I'm going to get the healing. I'm going to take the step because that's what he's called me to do. And I've seen too much goodness in my life, in my rear view. There have been too many good things, too many moments where it was dark and he brought the light. There was too many struggles where he brought me through to let go now. There's enough goodness to know I can step, so stop waiting. Stop waiting to take a step. Stop waiting to dance with the Holy Spirit. Stop waiting to believe that you're called, to believe that you are chosen. Stop waiting one more day and just start stepping. Add all the things to your life so that you can hear Him clearly and just take the step, one step at a time, and you will find the dance of your life is beautiful when you follow His lead. Let's pray. We're so glad you joined us for today's message. Our prayer is that God got the message you needed most today. If you're still here joining us and you're looking for an opportunity to connect to the Brick Church through giving, you can do that by texting the word BRICK to 45888. That's the word BRICK to 45888. The first time you do that, it's going to send you a link, give you the opportunity to connect that number to a credit card, debit card, or bank account. And as you connect with us and we partner together to reach people, we pray that God blesses you in your giving.